From Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to examine how we move forward as a drinks business following the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with Chris Petty, Chief Marketing Meister of Jägermeister US. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining me. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's let's kick things off, you know, basically with, with taking a, a little bit of a look back because, uh, you know, now we're in July. So a lot of things obviously have changed since since March uh, when the initial shutdown happened. But if you could sort of take us, you know, really quickly through sort of what has happened to the brand in, in the in the run up to where we are now. So, you know, when did you guys sort of change strategies or did you change strategies at all? Um, and, you know, how have you been impacted since the beginning of COVID? Yeah, I think for the most part, we've continued on the same path of how we evolved the Jägermeister brand as a more multidimensional brand than what you may know it as um, yep. previously. So a lot of what we've we've been doing is very similar in terms of supporting our cocktail strategy, um, support around deer and beer and how Jägermeister is the perfect shot with beer. Um, and we've also been continuing to support the nightlife community, albeit with bars and nightlife closed, we've had to rethink that. And with yeah. that, we've come up with a program called Save the Night, which is a global initiative. And it was created to support the nightlife communities and individuals, everyone affected by the devastation of the COVID-19 crisis. And we've rolled that out, not only in the US, but around the world in about a dozen countries. So yeah, because I am curious, like Jägermeister for for a lot of people listening is very much thought of as what I think most people think of you as an on-premise brand. Um, you know, it's, you know, you guys have been really good in the past of being very much, uh, you know, front and center with the the ice machines that are in all of the, you know, the shop machines that are in, in lots of bars. And then also, I think on top of that, one of your biggest partnerships that I know of you for is the NH, it was with the NHL, yeah. right? So again, uh, and, and something that doesn't exist. So at this point in time, obviously it doesn't, not that it doesn't exist in forever, but for now, right? So, um, how have you? How much did did the on premise and NHL shutting down affect you? And and what did you you know do to try to sort of combat the, those losses in revenue um, and you know losses in in marketing exposure? Yeah, similar. I mean, great question. Similar to the industry, we've seen a growth in the off premise, and that's been okay. very healthy growth for us. Um, on the on premise, obviously, um, we've had to pivot. You know, that's the key word that everyone's using in the marketing community. And we've redeployed all of our marketing money to focus on the Save the Night initiative in terms of how we can help the nightlife community through this crisis. So NHL will be back on, hopefully, in August. And I think it's going to be an even more exciting playoff series. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm jonesing for any kind of sports. I've been <laughs> yeah. loving the Premier League coming back, and I'm very excited for the NHL to come back. Um, but in the meantime, we've we've had to go virtual, and we've had to look at creative ways um, to market the brand, um, not only to to bartenders and creators, which is the primary focus of Save the Night, but how do we engage consumers through that process as well? So one initiative, and this started in Berlin, is is how do we we do more live streams? How do we sponsor live streams to get more money okay. in the pocket of DJs and musicians and artists around the world? And you may or may not know, but Berlin is very well known for its clubs. And yes. we're able to partner with United We Stream to help raise money for those artists and those clubs that obviously have been closed and affected. 
And therefore, you know, doing a um, uh, happy hour with your friends on Zoom, you can tune into that live stream for that evening and listen to your favorite DJ. We're doing something similar now in the U.S., and we just kicked that off this month with a musicians community called Treble. They're actually based in Brooklyn like you guys, and they support emerging artists and musicians. And typically what they do is on Tuesdays, they have a live concert. Now that's going to be going virtual and it's going to be a live stream and we're helping support artists um, by allowing them to be nominated to be an opening act um, during those live streams. So anyone can apply if you go to savethenight.com and you can have a chance at, at getting opportunity. And most importantly, we're paying all the artists. So they're losing a lot of money right now. We want to put money back into their pockets. So that's just one example that benefits both the creator and obviously the consumer who loves music. And so and so for you is the goal that obviously the consumer sees the Jaeger brand and attaches it to music and then thinks, okay, like I've enjoyed Jaeger while I've been at concerts. So now while I'm at home, I will buy Jaeger and, and drink it while I'm watching the live stream. Is that just so, so for, for the people who are listening to sort of understand, you know, what the strategy is there? Yeah, Jaegermeister has always been a social connector, whether you're in a bar and now whether you're on Zoom with your friends, it could be watching watching a game soon to be, um, or it could be watching music. It's a way to connect. It's also a way to celebrate, you know, those small celebrations that we're, we're looking for nowadays. Um, and it's a way to bring people together. So yes, it's about context. It's about engagement. It's about that passion point that consumers have around music, or as you said, around the NHL, when that comes back on, it's going to be similar because there's going to be no one at the games. So you're going to be watching with your friends, either in a small gathering at home, or you're going to be watching it um, online um, and enjoying, hopefully a shot of Jägermeister is an ice cold shot with that, you know, ice cold puck drop when the NHL comes back. See, so that, that leads me to my next question, which is, you know, we've seen a massive explosion uh, during coronavirus um, and, and most people predicting post the virus uh, to consumers making a lot more cocktails at home. Right. But I think, you know, Jaeger historically has been a brand that a lot of consumers don't think of as a cocktail, uh, you know, product, but more of, of a shot product. Have you also adapted strategy and messaging in order to, uh, you know, be more front and center with consumers say like, look, like we're, this isn't just something that you take a shot of while you're about to watch the NHL or while you're watching this live stream, but here's a lot of, you know, great ways you can use it in cocktails and here's content that supports that. Or have you, have you stuck to sort of the, the primary, um, you know, positioning of, of the, the liquid as that, that's, you know, one of the, the great shots you can take? No, I, as I was saying earlier, Adam, we have evolved um, through programs such as Deer and Beer and Cocktail Creation to show consumers that Jägermeister is a lot more multidimensional. It's not just about that that Jäger bomb or that shot on Saturday night. You can enjoy it with friends, co-workers on a Tuesday night. Obviously, now that's going more virtual. It's going more small gatherings. But we'll continue that Deer and Beer focus mostly in the off-premise, but we'll bring it to okay. consumers in terms of messaging um, digitally and contextually to get people to think when they buy a beer. And in this case, we're, we're very passionate about promoting Jägermeister with craft beer because the 56 botanicals bring out the best in craft beers. They complement each other perfectly. We'll oh, be cool. bringing that to people digitally in home or an off-premise when you're out shopping. Um, so that's, that's the strategy that has been going on. It is evolving to your point because obviously the context is different. You're not in a bar. Um, but it will be when you're buying beer and you're thinking about taking a beer out of the refrigerator, going into the freezer and taking out a bottle of Jägermeister. 
Do you guys do partnerships with certain craft beer producers or are there tasting notes that people can find on your website that, you know, pe- that show sort of, oh, we recommend this beer with this shot, that kind of stuff that people yeah, can yeah. find as well? Yeah, we do. So if you go to you go to Jägermeister.com, the U.S. website, you'll see all of our beer partners, everyone from Stone to Jay Wakefield to Maui Brewery, Ward Hobo, a number of different incredible um, independent um, craft beer brewers. Um, and on there, there's a there's a, a flavor wheel. You can pick what type of um, beer you like, and it'll help you understand how Jägermeister pairs in terms of our botanical profile with those beers. So if it's an IPA, um, kind of brings out the rich fruitiness of those beers, um, could bring out the spiciness of the beer. Um, so it really depends what you like, but I think it really opens up people's minds to what Jägermeister is, because most people don't realize we're an herbal bitter liqueur. Most people don't realize... It's made from 56 all-natural botanicals from around the world, and it's still a secret recipe to this day from the, the same multi-generational family that's been making it in the same town of Wolfenbüttel for all these years. And it really opens up people's eyes and minds and, and taste palate to the herbal bitter liqueur and the profile of it and how it complements food and bitter food and complements um, craft beers as well. That's cool. Have you done, uh, you know, throughout the the time conversations? I mean, I know you said on Instagram Live, you've done a lot of music and things like that with, you know, between bartenders and brewers or you know people in the beer community and people associated with Jägermeister to sort of give audiences more uh, information about the pairings. We have. I mean, our our uh, master meister, so to speak, who's Willie Shine. He's done a lot of sit downs with. Um, all of our beer partners and and those videos are available, for example, are on our website and they talk about, you know, their process and their beer. They have a, a, a shot in a beer and taste and understand the different profiles and how they complement each other. So we have been doing that. And, and that's actually a great idea. We are going to be doing more live um, discussions of that to talk a little bit more about it. We've been primarily doing Meister sessions where we're interviewing our creative Meisters um, right. Kind of talking about their life in quarantine and kind of what they're up to personally and professionally and using that to help raise money for a cause that's really important to them. But we will be extending that and opening that up um, to more of the industry and the professional community, um, which, which could very well include beer as well. Very cool. So uh, let's, let's flash forward a little bit. So that's what you've been doing, I guess, as people have been quarantining. Uh, obviously now some places are starting to reopen. Uh, you know, we also see that now places that we're reopening are closing. So it's, it's very, uh, we're in limbo here. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the places that are reopening, are there certain strategies that you're taking now? Uh, are there things that you are seeing that, that are changing the way that you used to operate? I, I, I'm just sort of curious about again, like how, you know, people at the podcast as well are curious about how brands are, are going back to the bar, but going back to the bar safely and in different ways, especially since a lot of the bar is now people standing on the sidewalk outside said bar? Yeah, great question. I think it's right now it's asking questions about how we can help. It's not going back in and and saying, how do we sell more Jägermeister or X, Y, and Z spirit? It's how can we help them? Because this is radically changing um, their business, their business dynamics, their cost of doing business. Um, and we're starting with just how we can help. Our first response in terms of how we support the bartender community and the industry was, you know, donating money to the USBG, you know, 
easy one, obvious one, you know, get some money into their pockets. Um, we've been doing a lot where our sales team just has money to buy lunches and meals for out of work bartenders and industry. Oh, awesome. So just going out and, and trying to help support them and cheer them up, you know, during a difficult time. Um, and then we've created a program called Bartenders or Role Models, where we're paying out of work bartenders to create cocktail recipes, um, you know, that we're featuring on our, our social media platforms. But it's all started with how we can help. And honestly, how we can help is putting some money back in their pockets, um, seeing where we can support in terms of any kind of point of sale that they may need, masks, you know, stuff like that, that could be helpful for them. But we're kind of waiting and seeing this, as you know, it's been a little bit of a start and stop right now. It's still uncertain kind of where this goes, but we don't want to be, we don't want to be there just to, you know, be there. We want to be there only because we can help them in some shape or form. So I'm curious about this. Um, so, I mean, I think to get your perspective, not just as uh, the C, the CMO of Jägermeister, but maybe, you know, marketing strategy in general, um, one of the things that we've talked about in the office editorially, well, obviously on Zoom, um, is that, you know, a lot of these bars, especially, are having to build these outdoor kind of patios in, in open parking spots, right? So, um, you know, especially here in New York, uh, I think it's happening in other locations as well. You know, cities are, are giving sort of street space to allow bars to sort of, you know, add square footage in order to... Um, you know, expand the people they're serving uh, so that they're not just serving, you know, two or three tables on the, on the, on the narrow sidewalk. And we thought a lot about how those decks are probably quite expensive um, and have wondered, like, have any brands thought about, Hey, maybe we help build that deck for you. Um, you know, and maybe our logo is somewhere on that deck, but, you know, do that in a way that also sort of supports, you know, some of those accounts. And the reason I ask you is because I, I know that I've always seen, the Jägermeister logo, you know, seared into wood. I think it's been sent to our office before that way, right? So it yeah, seems to be yeah. like a, a logo that also lends itself really well to this. Is that something you guys have talked about or that you think that brands should think about yours and others as a way to help? Um, and, you know, especially in terms of these bars right now, right? Like this is another expense that they, they really, they have to do, but they probably don't want to do. Exactly. And that's kind of what we're hearing is not only how do we support, you know, their staff and kind of getting the cash flow go going again, but what are some of those hard costs that they're going to need help on? So we've started doing, and I'm sure most suppliers have, looking at various point of sale options that could help right. mutually help the, you know, the account kind of get back in business and, and obviously face some dramatic changes that they're going to have to face, whether it's you know, going outdoors, whether it's social distancing, whether it's, you know, plexiglass and separating tables, contactless um, menus and, and cocktail menus and bills and go, go down the list. That's what we're looking at right now. And that's where we're asking them what they can use. It has to be an industry response. It has to be, um, you know, with the heart in the right place. But we all win together when we all reopen together, obviously. So we have a big stake in this and a big stake in getting it right. But honestly, we're still figuring that out in terms of where is the right place and what are the right things we can do to help. I think everyone's going to be slightly different, to be honest with you. There will be some similarities. The other one that you've probably seen is a lot of states have legalized um, takeout, 
um, cocktails, right, with food. And that's something that I, I think hopefully will continue. I think it's a it's a great opportunity. A lot of people are not necessarily going to want to sit down, right? You know, sit down in a restaurant. They're going to want to take it to go, whether it's at home, at the park, the beach, picnic, go down the list. I think that's going to be a dramatic shift and change in terms of what that third home is going to be where, where consumers are going to socialize and, and congregate. So I think that's going to be an interesting um, area of opportunity, both for on and off premise, you know, as well. I think off premise, I think small sizes, more convenient packaging, ready to go packaging, I think is going to grow in importance. And then obviously an on premise, they're going to have to relook at their whole kind of business model in terms of what's consumed on premise and what maybe uh, take out to go or through seamless uh, or Uber eats, whatever it is. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm curious to, um, you know, another question that has been raised in the office around what we're talking about and sort of being able to help on-premise retailers is, you know, prior to COVID, obviously, there's like, there had been legal restrictions, right, of how much brands could provide to restaurants and bars. Has that lessened? You know, are, are, are those restrictions a little bit more lax now because the bars and restaurants need support so badly? How much do you have to pay attention to that and what you provide the bars? Well, I, I still think, as I said earlier, we're still in that learning phase. And, right. And I still think every state and, you know, liquor authority is going to be in the learning stage as well. I really hope, um, you know, to go continues. I think that's yeah. just a convenience for the consumer. Forget suppliers, forget the bars. I think it's a convenience to the consumer. Um, but I think it's a little bit of a wait and see um, in terms of how those restrictions and or rules or laws change and evolve over time. I think it will, it will evolve um, and it will change, but we just don't know yet exactly what that means in terms of, of being a supplier, in terms of what we can do to help and where some of those, you know, gray areas or, or lines are. Right. So I, I'm curious, um, we talked a little about cocktails in the beginning. Um, what, what is your favorite cocktail right now to drink with Jägermeister? I love a Jäger rye. I'm a big okay. big fan of rye, big fan of Jägermeister. So just pick your favorite rye, half rye, half Jägermeister, twist of orange. That's one of my favorites. Um, that actually sounds that sounds delicious. It's absolutely delicious. I, I highly recommend it. Good summer drink, obviously on a big big piece of ice, thick piece of ice. It tastes delicious. okay. And then that sounds uh, tasty too. A Berlin Mule is essentially a mule with ginger beer and Jägermeister, and that's one that completely blows people away in terms of um, kind of the spiciness and the refreshment of it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. That sounds super cool. All, all three of these sound delicious. If you can, uh, can, if you can make sure you send us those cocktail recipes, we'll make sure that they're in the show notes and uh, in the article that supports the podcast. I'm sure people would love to, to try them. Well, Chris, I mean, this has been a really interesting interview. Uh, is there anything that I did not ask that you also wanted to make sure that we touched on? No, I mean, just a little more about save the night, I think would be, interesting to talk about. So Save the Night is our global initiative to support both creators and bartenders in the industry that have been affected by COVID-19. And obviously on the bartender side, beyond helping out with USBG and putting money in bartenders' pockets to you know, to, to support them during this tough time, we've been doing a lot on the creator side. So I mentioned live streams, um, have been very important. We've also been doing something really cool and pretty proud of. It's called Meister Drop-Ins. And Meister Drop-Ins are a chance for consumers to connect with their favorite creator, their favorite artist. It could be a fashion designer, a sneaker designer. It could be a musician. 
And then if they go to savethenight.com, they can look and uh, at the availability and book those artists to drop into their Skype, Zoom, or house party. And it's been pretty successful, and, and it's been incredible, not just for the consumer who has the, the fun and the surprise of having that intimate drop-in with someone that they look up to and love, but all of the artists have been completely excited about it, you know, because they've been able to get closer to their their followers and their fan base. They've learned a lot. They've been inspired by those consumers' stories. And it's it's been a great way to kind of get through quarantine, quite honestly, for, for both the consumer and our Meister creators. So it's been pretty cool to have to think differently about how do we connect our consumer um, with our creative Meisters um, and obviously continue a lot of the same messaging about Jägermeister's role in that relationship, but find new ways to connect. So whether it's, you know, Meister sessions where it's Instagram live or Meister drop-ins where you're dropping into a Zoom. It's been a, a complete evolution for us as a brand and as a company, but I think it's it's something that's here to stay. Awesome. Well, Chris, this has been really, really fascinating to talk about what you guys are doing, how you're adapting, um, and, and also sort of your thoughts of, of where, where we're going, how we're moving forward, and how you and other brands can support the on-trade. I really appreciate you taking the time today, and hopefully we'll be able to check in at some point in, in the months ahead to see how everything's going and, and where things have moved. Sure, would love to. Thanks, Adam. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vine Pair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.